0: Of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Pleasure Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the fifth. Um, we're back on our normal schedule. It Was very odd uh, to, to record on a Monday night, um, as we did last week, and that's why, as Ferber just said a, a second ago before we started recording, it feels weird. It feels like it's been forever, but it hasn't. Um, I guess in um, I guess in uh, UVA fan days, The whole lot has happened since we last spoke, and we will get into all of that and more. Um, Let me go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing good, Brad. Nothing nothing witty or clever to say tonight. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter.
0: Don't worry. You'll say something along the way that'll become the title of this episode. And then up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. How are you, my friend?
2: Doing great. Just a lot of meek Mill in my life right now At <laughs> Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter
0: And Cavs Corner also on Twitter Cavs underscore corner, great place for the in-game game updates Content items and occasional witty banter um, So let's start with uh, Let's start with football um, Because that is the season That is, you know, winding down So to speak um, Cavaliers get the uh, the bowl uh, Bid that we all expected them to To have, all of us Uh <laughs> With with, with uh, reservations in Charlotte, while all the the rest of the internet is over there, the rest of the internet is all you know, um, you know, trying to figure out like, oh, is it going to be this or is it going to be that? Oh, it could be this, and then you have all these people like, oh, I'm hearing this, and oh, I'm hearing that, and meanwhile, see if
2: if you know who to listen to, then you don't have this problem. <laughs>
0: if that's right. If if you're like us, we we saved a bunch of money, and we didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, wait, I messed that up, didn't I? It's no the the saving a bunch of money is by that's Geico. Anyway, they yeah. don't give they don't give us advertising <laughs> not money. So not a sponsor. Not a, not a sponsor. sponsor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we would have all been shattered, right? Just completely shattered, like like trying to do a flip and boom, shattered. Uh, if if this thing had gone awry. Um, the matchup, though, I really like. Especially uh, with me, mean, I like it a lot more for Virginia now that Debo Saint was not going to play. Dave, you are uh, you are the. Um, I don't want to. Call, what do I want to say? How do I want to phrase this?
1: I don't. But you always have to have an adjective for me when you go to me the first time. It is required. <laughs>
0: it is required. Dave, you are the uh, you are the handringer of the group. Oh, Playing an SEC wanna... team. Uh, you nervous? What do you, you? You you were. I mean, I, I know you're already worried about attendance. <laughs> How about the other day? I tossed out I wanted content ideas, and Dave says something like, "Well, you know, you should tell everybody that the, that the the attendance at this game has been dwindling for the last however many years." And I'm like, <laughs> "I dang, think you man. should."
1: I was surprised. I only brought that up because I was surprised. Like. You know, we haven't been to a lot of bowls in the last 10 years. So it, yeah, it, the trending decline in attendance across all bowls is pretty dramatic.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that people should really temper their expectations if they think it's going to be similar to the 02, 03 crowds, just because all bowls across the board aren't like that anymore, really. I mean, like the, the attendance it, over the years has kind of, kind of dro- dropped off because people, you know, spend their money on other stuff or whatever. But, Anyway, that's just an aside.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Back so, to your question. And, and yeah, and so outside de- <laughs> isn't, isn't the only thing that matters. So
0: that's true. The um, so I mean, it, it, it look it's a it, it's a it's a fun it's a fun game, right? It's a, it's a it's a it's a. I mean, Virginia sort of lived a charmed life through this bowl season because when's the last time you can remember Virginia being the team that like a bowl wanted and then like basically somebody else got screwed because somebody wanted Virginia. It was like it was like I was having like that Sunday, even though it took forever for the thing to come out. Uh, I, I think was, it wasn't it like that when we got the
1: um, Chick Fil A bowl.
0: Not so much. No, I mean I don't remember it being like that blatant, though. You know what I mean?
1: Because we, you know, we lost to tech, and I think there was some fear that we weren't going to
2: get it anymore. Um, well, yeah, I think yeah, what happened was, was they got it because there was some trickle down like effect. Um, because tech got, if I remember correctly, this is pre-playoff. So the bowl situation, well, they didn't have New Year's Six, right? They just had like the BCS games. Yeah, that was BCS And, and uh, if I remember correctly, Clemson won the ACC and Tech won the Coastal. And Tech was selected by the Sugar Bowl, which then moved oh, into right. up a slot yeah. in the bowl selection process. But it came down to the, the, the selection day, whether or not they were going to get that bid to the Sugar Bowl. And if they didn't, UVA could have ended up somewhere completely different. I don't remember exactly what all the ACC bowl games were back then, but I think there was it could it could have been like Nashville or somewhere else. Worse, worse than Atlanta. True, true. And that's our podcast tonight. We're just going
1: to go off topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Dave, what do you think of what do you think of this thing?
1: I, I mean, I, I'm excited. I like Charlotte. I mean, um, if you didn't go, you know, <laughs> the first two times we were there, it's a great bowl. It's put on great. Um, you know, I assume it hasn't changed much in the 15 years since we've been there. But, you know, everything is kind of convenient. A lot of bars right near the stadium, a lot of hotels there. The atmosphere should be good, um, regardless of whether it's 45 50,000. The people there are going to be excited about football. And that, it's a very interesting opponent. I mean, South Carolina, obviously, we have some history with, um, not only from their time in the ACC, but, um, you know, playing them the same year we went to the this bowl game. Um and they you know, it's an easy draw for most of the South Carolina fans. A, a large, large um, portion of their alumni base and fan base is, you know, an easy drive to Charlotte. So it, I think it's going to be fun. It's an SEC team that throws the ball a lot. Obviously, as Justin said, without Sam, without Debo, that certainly Vegas, even Vegas, thinks that's about a three-point change. So that's I would like I would I, like
0: for I, Vegas to like. To, to con- consider something where I'm not going to be there and then be like, oh, no, 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 three points at least. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's that that has to feel good.
2: Yeah. It yeah. Does. The line's out because we don't know if Brad's going yet. So as soon as we know, we'll, uh, we'll post the well, line. The credentials <laughs> got approved today. So <laughs> yeah, I just think that would be funny. Yeah. We're, uh, is there a quarterback injured or something? <laughs> no, no, we just no. don't know if Brad's going to go. We <laughs> <laughs> don't
1: know. <laughs> Waiting on credentials. But yeah, I mean, I think it's an exciting game, an exciting opponent. Now, I, I hope as many fans as possible show up. I know. We're all going. A bunch of my tailgate buddies are going. We're booked, and as you said, our reservation has been made for a while. So I'm excited to get down there and enjoy it. And um, yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I think the good news for Virginia, it's, it's a you know a name opponent, a SEC opponent, so you shouldn't have much trouble being motivated, especially when you figure in what happened last the last bowl game you played. Um, and if you do lose, you know it's it's a team with some respect. So yeah, get true. out there, do what you can.
0: Um, one thing I was thinking about as you were as you were answering was it's like all of the UVA sort of basketball, or excuse me, the UVA sports world Has just shifted to Charlotte, right? Because you had last year NCAA tournament, now you got this, and now you have the ACC tournament, and basketball is going to be there um, in a couple months or a few months, a couple months, man. I'm brushing this year away. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, about- I might
2: just I might just move down there, and then we could have a Charlotte correspondent <laughs> for the Cavs dot com. Down in
0: Charlotte, Justin Ferber. Um, but I wonder how many people like went to went to the the NCAA tournament and then for this have just like booking the same hotel, um, you know, doing the same thing, or are they switching it up? I mean, like, look, if you're one of those brave people who got the same hotel, um, you know, same sort of like suite or whatever, and then you decided to do it again, uh, you are tempting fate, and I applaud you for it because you know what, life's too short. Um, but I just think I th- like think about like all the people, you know. Um, how many more boots will be on the ground, so to speak, right, for this versus that. Um, it, it, it will be, I think, a really good game. It'll, it'll be an interesting matchup. Um, could you find two coaches who are more uh, different than Bronco and Will Muschamp? Um, I, I, I mean, just let's think of, like, sideline demeanor, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I thought about that as soon as the teams were announced.
0: Because when I was, like, waiting for them to announce it and waiting for them to say it was South Carolina – because that afternoon, and everybody remembers, right? Like, we were all like, okay, we know the bowl is going to be Charlotte. And we're pretty sure South Carolina is going to be the team. But, like, what's the holdup? Who is it the ACC? Is the SEC? We all, three of us, thought that the ACC was having a problem trying to find Pitt a good landing spot. Um, which I think is probably the, the way it actually played out. But, I mean, at that point, we didn't know, you know, if there was some other snag somewhere. And I, so I'd gone and I'd found pictures of Champ on the wire. Dude, there is not a. You know how sometimes I do that thing, like we talked about before, where I'll find a picture and it's. You know, I don't. I don't want to say I, I attempt to be unflattering, but I sometimes play to my 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 um my my fan base. There are no pictures of Will Muschamp where he just doesn't where he looks normal. Like all of the pictures you can find of him, he he has the same sort of like some version of a crazed expression on his face. It is. It's actually pretty remarkable. Like that's one of those things. Like you almost feel like he tries to do because how can you how can you look that crazy for an entire football game? But man, every picture on the wire was like, you know, there's nothing to him smiling. Like it's just crazy. Anyway, um, Ferber, as you started looking at this game, um, obviously the the passing offense versus Virginia's defense and the strength of the the secondary and that kind of thing. Is a is a storyline. What are some of the other things about this game that intrigue you? As we, you know, we're not obviously close to it yet. I mean, it's the end of the month, but yeah. uh, as we get closer, as we move further away, I guess maybe is uh, is a better way to say it from the um you know from the bull announcement itself.
2: I mean, I think that it's a good test. I think that you know I've seen a lot of people um, on message boards of the last month or so just. You know, the idea of playing an SEC team or whatever. Oh, we don't want to do that. Like, you know, we want to try to, you know, get the best possible situation. Honestly, I think this is better. You just get the test. You get a name opponent from a name conference, um, both close by. I think that's the best case scenario, really, for a bowl. It's a test, right? Um, and I think that South Carolina, like Dave touched on a little bit, they like to throw the ball. Um, Jake Bentley is a pretty good quarterback. Uh, I've seen South Carolina play a little bit this year uh, against Clemson and Tennessee. So... Um, they definitely threw the ball out in those games, scored a lot of points. Um, their defense seems eh, kind of, you know, you can score on them. Um, their passing defense not terrible, but they're it seems like they've had some trouble stopping the run. I think they gave up like 28 rushing touchdowns or something like that. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if you can get Bryce and, and Jordan Ellis going and, and kind of run the ball effectively in the game. But, you know, one of the things I always look forward to in bowl games is just – You know, how did you spend that time between your last regular season game and the bowl, right? I mean, are you going to try to work in guys, especially now with this redshirt rule, you can, can, in theory, work in some guys that haven't played um, and give them a chance to get out there if you feel like that can help you win the game or even if you feel like it'll just be good for that person's development. Um, You know, I know last year there was a lot of talk about using that time to kind of prepare for 2018 and uh, the seniors that were departing, you know, they were in the game plan, obviously. But a lot of those practices were basically gearing up for the spring. So it'll be inter- interesting to see if Bronco uses that red shirt rule and gets any of these guys out there on the field, whether they've played less than four games or none at all. Um, and then if there's any just you know schematic changes from what we saw over the course of the 12 games.
0: Yeah, the red shirt thing's interesting because as I, I wrote in that uh, piece that that ran uh, today, it. There aren't, I mean, they've done a pretty good job. I mean, you can really, I mean, maybe you want to quibble a little bit with, with Ugo Obasi, but realistically, Billy Kemp is the one, you know, 17 snaps to this point. Um, you know, that's the one that, you know, you, you probably look at and go, man. But, and, and I haven't looked, at, and I say this, spoiler alert, having not looked at the board from uh, earlier when uh, somebody asked me to, to post the, um, the breakdown of the classes and um, by position. Uh, and numbers and stuff, but it, it it is an interesting wrinkle because you you're right. You could use these next few weeks to get specific guys ready for specific things. And look, I, I'm not going to pretend for a second that those coaches or the people in that bath and excuse me, in that football office weren't watching film of South Carolina for days. They knew. If we knew, right? This is my whole joke about like if I know in the press box that this kind of place coming a defensive coordinator who's watched your film all week knows too. Like if we were there with our reservations for hotels in Charlotte, they knew, right? They had a good idea it was going to be Charlotte. And they're probably playing South Carolina, so they probably had somebody watching film. And so you, you theoretically, you could have specific guys who you have identified who can do you know this thing or that thing, and you're 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 prepping them. I think the thing that really stands out to me, though, is your point about schematic changes. Um, you don't have to worry about getting, you know, guys to a fir- you know a further point. I would love to see a little more option. I would love to see Virginia control the ball. Uh, you know, when the, I think I think they've been better. They've been their best when they've controlled the ball. Um, I mean, if they're not going to throw, you know, if they're not going to have these one play drives that they had a lot this year throughout. Um, but overall, I, I think it's an interesting matchup, and certainly. If the Cavaliers can win this game not to just to win 8 on the season but to 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 have a an SEC pelt, you know, um to take home and 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 certainly to give them a lot of momentum, it 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 I don't want to I don't want to like hype it up. I mean, we have weeks to hype it up, but it just it is a is a really big opportunity. Um I I think the the thing for me is that if they don't change what they do in the red zone, they're probably not going to get a, as good of a chance because this is a passing offense that you can't you can't afford to not score points when you have opportunities for your, your red zone piece. I want to bounce it back to you. Um, when you did that research and you really broke it down, were there any surprises in there as you, as you looked at stuff through?
2: I mean, I, we kind of talked about it when I was writing it, but I didn't expect to look at the, uh, stats and see them dead last in, you a know, red zone scoring percentage. Um, I've always been a big believer in, I mean, people look at that red zone number and I think that is a good number. Um, I mean, I think it's a useful data point that people can point to and kind of figure out how effective an offense is, but I've always been a big believer in not just the red zone number, but also red zone touchdowns, right? Because if you're constantly settling for three, that's going to show up as a red zone score, but... It could end up costing you the game even if even if you got those points, right? And you can see that in the Tech game, for example. Um, you know, they were two for four in the red zone. But they didn't get 14. They got 10, right? So, that, I mean, that ended up kind of making a difference. And um, obviously the two empty possessions as well. The Georgia Tech game, same thing. I think they got – I think it was – oh, man, I don't have it in front of me. Um, I want to say it was like – 20 points on 35 possible, um, and then 31 possible if you kind of give them a break for that field goal they got at the end of regulation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, those kind of gaps where, you know, even you, you take the empty possessions and then add to that the um, the ones where you got a field goal instead of a touchdown, and, and that really can add up and make a difference. I mean, some of their worst red zone games kind of cost them wins or at least – played a role in that. Um and then they barely survived a couple games where they weren't great in the red zone. Uh Louisville comes to mind uh, and Miami comes to mind uh because they played really good defense. I mean, in that Miami game, I believe they got I think they scored on all their red zone possessions except for the one at the end of the game where they were kind of just running out the clock after the penalty. But you know, they settled for three on all but one of them, and the only one that they scored on was a seven-yard drive off of a pick return. Um, so, I mean, that kind of stuff, it's got to improve. And, and like I said, it's it's hard to nail down without – I mean, I could go back and re-watch every play, but that would take forever. Um, and, you know, it's hard to nail down, like, why they weren't effective. I mean, we saw the games, um, and I think that we sometimes have, like, a take of, you know, like why something didn't work. But – if you go back and look, you can kind of figure out, you know what what's driving the inefficiency. And I really think it was the inability to. I think the passing concepts were just so to the edges. Um, and I think that they didn't. They just played like kind of a risk averse passing offense in the red zone. And I think that. Um, you know that what you get, what you you get, what you do. You know, in that respect, I mean, if you want to be risk averse, you're probably not going to score as many touchdowns, and you'll have to settle for field goals. But maybe you get rid of some of those empty possessions. Um, and and for the most part, they did that. I think Bryce had one red zone interception, and it was uh, in the NC State game late when they were trying to come back. And then he had the, the fumbles against um, Virginia Tech, but those are both you know fumbles and not passing interceptions. So i think that some of it was a lack of aggression some of it bad luck some of it lack of aggression in terms of uh, clock management trying to just get out of the game um but overall i mean there's clear indications that things need to improve and if you look at byu and what they did i mean they were able to kind of master the red zone in uh last couple years there and i think that there is hope that they can get better there um But we'll just have to see how they tweak things and and what they need to do. But I'm sure they're aware of it if I am. Right. Dave, you,
0: um, we've, I mean, the three of us have talked a lot about these numbers and and sort of to the, like, for me, Ferber says, like, you know, it's hard to kind of nail down the reason. My thing is, like, you don't use the middle of the field. Not a lot of, everything seems to be to the edges, you know, and. The problem with the edges is, well, yeah, I understand. There's lots of dudes in the middle of the field, but like at the edges, like there's a sideline, and everybody knows where that is, and you can use that to your advantage if you're on defense. To me, it's not enough slants, not enough, you know, stuff in the middle of the field. When you when you saw all this stuff in in terms of the way Ferber put it all together, and it, I want to give him a shout out. He did a hell of a job with it. Um, but when you saw it all together, how sick! to your stomach did it make you because you just realize like oh man there's so much more out there that they just didn't even get close to
1: i mean it it definitely sick to your stomach i mean you start thinking small percentage increases and the difference that makes in so many games um but yeah i think was was serious xm bryce was on today and um bryce perkins mentioned that they need to get better scoring touchdowns in the red zone so obviously they know it um but, you know, like Justin was saying, when you go back and look, it's it's not one thing in particular you saw in the red zone. Um, probably, if I had to say, if, the over th- if there was one thing that was, com- you know, the most common thread was probably being a little conservative there. Um, I don't want to say that the passing game lacks sophistication, but it kind of does, especially when you get into a narrowed space like that. Um, you know, when you get in the red zone, obviously – linebackers can can drop and come forward a little easier there's you know you can't take the top off 40 yards down the field when you only have to guard 20 or 30 yards um so route running uh, precision of passing staying on your block all that stuff in timing all that stuff matters so much more so it's almost like you know your execution level has to stop step up so you know the the optimist in me is saying, hey, that's just you know that's an offensive line that's continuing to to get better and will improve. Um, that that's Bryce first year in the system. I mean, I, I do think we're all kind of guilty of thinking of Bryce Perkins as a multi year player because he's a junior, but effectively he hasn't played football much at this level at all, um, and he had arguably one of the best seasons ever as a quarterback at, at the University of Virginia. So that's all positive it's they've got to figure out how to make it work i don't know if there's a simple answer you're right like you know passing over the middle probably requires the the biggest combination of of um pass blocking and precision route running because by definition you're going to be putting the ball up where hands can get on it if you're right you're throwing it into to windows so i can understand why they're a little averse to that especially if you think back at the games virginia didn't get blown out very much this year um so most of the time, those red zone opportunities were in games that were a score either way. So you can understand being a little more conservative in that situation. It's So I, I kind of understand, but it's something they've got to improve. And if they do, like you're talking, you know, four or five points a game, which is basically turning one of those field goals into a touchdown. You're talking 30-plus points a game for Virginia offense. That's something we haven't seen in a very, very long time. Right. Um, yeah. And this year was something we hadn't seen in a
0: long time. And one time. and one thing I want to note real quick forever is like yeah. if you think about and I don't want to say that like they're too married to the um to the to the formula, right? But but they do seem to get into a mindset of when they get when they get close, like in in these situations where they have a big play and they score, that's great. But when they get close, it's almost like, Okay, we already have gotten the three. We need to make sure we don't do anything to lose the three. Um and I wonder how much of that is driven by just sort of the, um, you know, your, your point about the, you know, that there are just a lot more in the middle of the field, and so there's a risk aversion there. But also, too, how much of it is like, oh, we only need to score, you know, if we can consistently score 24 points, we know we win, right? And I'm not saying that they, they set out to score 24, but they – I wonder how much that metric – Matters in their mind, you know what I mean? Like that they think, like, oh, it doesn't take that many points to win a football game if we do what we're supposed to do, and if we, we, we can't risk losing these three points. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I think you should go out every time and you know, think you need to score a lot more than twenty four. But I, but I think that they understand that when they do score this, they win, and so I think that that might be something. It, or let me rephrase that: it would not. Shock me if that is something that plays into their minds. What do you think, Ferber? Or what were you about to say? And then if you want, yeah.
2: Well, yeah. Just to respond to that, I think that you're right. I think that they kind of look at it as. um, I honestly think part of the mindset right now with the staff is that they still feel like they're not quite where they want to be, and you can kind of see that with the play call and and that sort of thing. But um, I think that sometimes they kind of. I don't want to say they, they lose aggression because they don't think they can do it. It's just kind of like, we need every point we can get, but we, like you said, we don't want to throw away the ones that we already have. But I think that when you have a player like Bryce, you need to kind of, you know, like take advantage of that. Cause he doesn't, players like him don't come around all the time, you know, trust him to make plays. Cause he can, he can extend plays and make plays and do all kinds of stuff. Um, and we saw that. I mean, there were a few plays where he scrambled around and found a guy in the end zone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that you know if you it, th- let him throw some riskier passes and maybe that had something to do with his health and all that stuff. but um, you know, I, I think that I think that you can see, I think th- what you can see is that they are on the right track as an offense, and this is the thing that's holding them back. Not they're not on the right track, and this is a you know uh, another sign of that. I think it's more like if they can get this right, they can have a really good offense. Um, and they, they've made steps in the right direction. And we've seen BYU go from bad in the red zone to good in the red zone. So maybe they're able to fix that. But, yeah, I mean, what I really wanted to say was that, uh, like Dave said, they didn't really get blown out this year. And they and I, that was one of the things I noticed when I was doing the piece was that they didn't get blown out this year at all. I mean, if your definition of a blowout is 14, uh, which is fair, I guess, two scores, Or more, they only lost by 14 once, and every other game was 10 or less. And then three of their five losses were by four, three in overtime, three in overtime, and all three of those games are on the road. Um, so I think the margin they're a lot closer, record wise, I think, to being nine and three than they are to being five and seven, right? I mean, they didn't win a lot of close games, most of the games they won, they won by. You know seven or more and then with the exception being the Miami game and that was the game that they did they only scored 16 points
0: right let me before we flip over to hoops I want to I want to pause our conversation here and just sort of take inventory two years ago what were we doing at the end of a football season right and here we are not I don't want to say we're picking nits in some ways I guess we are but we're talking about like oh how could the seven win team be better It's a it's a it's a a good thing that we can have this conversation and be picking nits. Now I you know I'll probably argue with myself here and say well you know red zone is not exactly picking nits. I mean we're not talking about you know what you call in second and seven. Um, But it's just it it to me it just shows progress right progress in the program that we are at a point where in our podcast right now we're talking about Virginia and being picky about you know. When they score, you know, like Dave, to Dave's point Like if they, they, you know, they score just a few more Five more points a game, at, you know, doing X, Y, and Z Like that would be, you know, significant And and to Ferber's point, like, they didn't, you know They were not, they they did not get blown out There was only really one game all season Where they weren't really, quote unquote, in it And that one, I mean, that one they didn't even get blown out I think that there's, there's obviously signs of of maturity there's signs of progress there's no doubt in my mind that without bryce perkins none of this happens um but i also think that um there were a lot of other guys around him uh, especially on like on the defensive side of the ball like the 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 step four bryce hall took this year um the way that that group battled through injuries and lack of depth and Dudes playing randomly when they didn't expect to. Um, you know, I think the coach Steph did a nice job of developing a, a bunch of dudes who we didn't expect to be major contributors this year, who have. I mean, hell, Devontae Cross started on the other side of the ball, and by the end of the season, he's playing pretty well at safety. Um, I, I just think that you know it's a it's a really good sign of progress that we're able to have this sort of nitpicky conversation um, because the future is pretty bright for them. Um, and you know, two years ago, I don't think any of us. Uh, any of us would have said that I mean we all knew it was going to be rough Out of the gate I don't think we expected it to be as rough As it was that first year But two games yeah, I mean, Two wins to, to six to seven Maybe eight It's pretty good Pretty good uh, Pretty good progress so far
1: I mean I think it's almost painful The way that the last two games of the season ended Because um, you know Obviously they were both losses And obviously one of them is your, your biggest rival But You know Just because they were at the end of the year They, they carry more weight on your soul But you know, they were losses. So, you know, if they had happened earlier in the year and you you won the last two and finished seven and five, you'd probably feel more optimistic, but the grand scheme of things, it's the same. Um, so, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited for the bowl game to see, you know, eight and five. That's a pretty good year. Virginia doesn't win eight games in a season very often um, and hasn't for a long time. Now it's an uphill battle to get there. But just like we're talking, like as simple as, one or two possessions in the red zone you're watching that game live whether you're there at home they score a touchdown on the red zone that's a big difference because that's what they weren't doing during the season
2: yeah and i mean like going back to the blowout thing i mean when's the last time when's the last time that uva had a season where they didn't get like blown out blown out right i mean not once I mean, we still have to yeah. play the bowl game, but, yeah. I mean... <laughs> that's true. They still got to play one more. But you know what I mean? Like, not one time. Like, I mean, even in, like, I was just looking at it. Even in good seasons, you know, I just looked at, what is this year I'm looking at right now? 2005, you know, pretty good year. They went 7-5. and five. Um, Yeah, they get destroyed by Virginia Tech. Yeah. I mean, like, even though they didn't get blown out in any other games. Or they lost to by Maryland. They lost a 12 by 12 to Maryland, but, I mean, that's not that bad. Not really. So, yeah, but I mean, they got just destroyed in one game and that's like and you know, the year before that Florida State 36-3. So, I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a indication of the schedule they played this year, but they didn't get blown out by anybody and, right. and I don't remember. I mean, that's rare across all of college football.
0: And and then so. too there were a couple of times where you thought it might happen, you know? Like I I mean definitely they didn't see state game for sure. They could
2: have the Tech could have blown them out.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I Went mean, down, half, down fourteen nothing,
2: nothing at halftime. If they come out and go three and out, they might have gotten blown out. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, who knows?
0: Those kids do a good job of fighting, man. There's no way. There's no way around it. Um, let's let's go over to the to the other side of um, from uh, of the oh god I can't say the
2: coin the revenue sports <laughs> across the street from the McHugh Center
0: yeah I was, well I was gonna go, I was gonna say the other side of the coin and I got all tripped up but anyway we shouldn't we, you know you really shouldn't talk about your mistakes because sometimes that doesn't make for good audio so the Cavaliers now eight and zero number four team in the country coming off back to back top twenty five wins away from home they blast Morgan State the other night. In a game that was especially sloppy, but for reasons that make sense to me, and um, at least in terms of like uh, Tony was clearly throwing a bunch of random lineups out there. Uh, it wasn't like he was riding with his guys the way he did in College Park, um, but now we you know we've seen a little bit more of this team since we we all last spoke. Um, I want to I want to focus the discussion a little bit on. Depth. Look, you you sort of know what you're going to get from Ty, Kyle, DeAndre. Braxton is still a little bit in that transition mode. You got to get that stink of him, you know, of, of this former school off of him. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's that. Especially when a guy can play right away, it's it's hard to it's hard to just automatically fit into something that has been sort of building without you. And and the re- the reason I say it is because sometimes you'll you'll notice he'll like catch a pass and you can see where it's supposed to go next and there's just that like half second delay it's nothing nothing wrong just take some time you know just take some time to get used to it um, but I want to talk a little bit more about the the guys we we don't know as much about and and maybe that's because I saw a little bit more of them Monday night and I'm curious as to what what we think they can mean for them long term but um, Cody Statman uh, Marco Anthony Jay Huff uh, I want to say Kike Clark, but gosh, he's probably going to start every game now. Um, what do we think of Virginia's bench, Dave? What, what's your general sort of overarching? Where are you? Where are you right now on Virginia's bench?
1: Um, I'm not overly thrilled with what I've seen from them. Um, I had pretty high expectations from the from the bench, just because I expected Momaday to take a. I guess expected might be too strong of a word. I really hoped Mamadi would take a big step forward this year. And eight games in, we haven't seen it. And I think when you've got a guy of his talent, if he's coming off the bench making a step forward, him alone as a six man can change things. Um, what I, yeah, my concerns with the bench, other than Mamadi, you know, you got Mamadi and Jay coming off of it. This team just doesn't have a lot of size, and a lot of size that Tony trusts to play minutes, and a lot of size that we've seen effective play from, um, which results in the team, you know, results in us playing small quite a bit, which is great because we, you know, we've got four guys, especially in that small lineup. When you're playing Dre at the four, Um, you know, Kihei. I think at this point it would be a disservice to consider Kihei anything but a starter. Uh, He's definitely the the newcomer of the year by far. Um, and, and obviously you got Kyle and Ty and, and Dre who are doing their thing. It's just, but when you play small like that, you, you kind of rely on the jump shot and you get what we kind of saw, have seen in a couple games, which is, you know, scoring droughts cause you, you don't have an inside presence. So because we haven't seen the, the consistency consistency from Mamadi or Jay, I'm not overly happy with the bench. Um, Braxton Braxton like I hope he figures it out but right now he like he almost looks like Mamadi on the court you know if you've watched enough Virginia basketball you can almost see it like Mamadi catches the ball and you can see him because he's not you know he's thinking so much like he takes a beat to think instead of just react Mamadi's at his best when the ball just kind of hits him when he's going up for a rebound and he puts it back up or the ball surprises him that's when he's at his best when it's when he doesn't have time to think and Braxton's kind of overthinking now too so long term like we've got some pieces there but that right now I I would give the bench a C just because I think we need more from Mamadi to make a deep run um Jay like I I don't think Tony's going to lean on Jay as any more than the eighth guy in the rotation um he's got some upside but my issue with Jay remains like he can't play as a true big on the defensive end, especially sometimes some guys he can post up, but you know, basically he's a face up four or face up five even. And when he's that, they, the thing that gets me with, with Jay is like, you know, he's, he's got, we've seen streaks and these little peaks of excitement from him. But when Jay's stepping out to take a three, like he's taking a shot away from Dre, Tyler, Tyler, Kyle, who we know are really good shooters. So he's kind of taken away from what we have the best of. Um, so I guess short answer is I'm still very concerned about the, the bench. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I hope Braxton can get around. I think Momadi and Jay, you have to say, is, have a lot to prove still. Um, I don't think Statman's going to be any consistent minutes as the year goes on. Um, who am I missing on the bench? Yeah. Um, Marco Anthony, like Marco, I think he's a good defensive guy. I think he can give you five or ten minutes a game just to kind of sub out Kihei or Ty or even Kyle. Um, you know, he, he's solid. He, he's not spectacular, especially on the offensive end. But I, I would feel more solid with him right now in the role he has than I do with with the big guys.
0: I think that's fair. What do you think, Ferber?
2: Yeah, I mean, he pretty much nailed it.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, first off, on Jay Huff, how dare you? Um,
0: how dare you, sir? How dare nah. you? No, I'm
2: just, uh, I'm not I'm not gonna go there. Um, nah, I think that you know this time of year you see a lot of different lineups and guys coming off the bench and playing, and you think like, oh, you know, this guy could have a bigger role than we thought, or or whatever. But a lot of times when ACC play rolls around, the bench gets shorter and those minutes kind of dry up, except for the random 35 point beatdown of Wake Forest or whoever. Um, yeah, I think that I'll start with Marco. I think that he's a guy that, you know, he knows his role. He's, he's understanding the defense better. And and I think that, you know, his ability to to come in and, and play point guard, which he's done some is a nice thing to have. And I think he's a guy that you can count on in a pinch or if there's like an injury or somebody gets sick or something. I think that if he plays a bigger role, he'll be okay. I mean, we saw him play a significant role in an ACC game last year against a decent Louisville team. And he came in and played fine. So I'm not worried about him. Um, I think, I think Dave is kind of right about Mamadi. I think that he's still, we're still waiting to see him kind of like unleash that potential that he has. And, uh, hopefully we'll see that soon. I mean, I kind of penciled him in as a starter before the season started. Um, but you know, we'll just have to see, you know, what happens with the lineup going forward. But I I think that, you know, he has that potential. He's, he's kind of shown it in different games throughout his career. Um, I just like to see him put it together and have like one excellent 40 minute game, you know, and just really dominate. Um, Jay Huff, I think we'll probably see a few more minutes maybe than he did last year during ACC play, but not much more unless something changes for all the reasons that Dave mentioned. Um, you know, he's kind of playing as a guard almost on offense and, and, uh, you know, the way that the the system works, uh, I get why people want to see him play more. He's something. He's a he has a skill set that is rare in college basketball now, and and uh, and on this roster and in this program, rare. Um, but you know, it's not. I don't think him him sitting is to the, you know, it's not like to the detriment of the team necessarily. It's just, I think the 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 ceiling would be higher if he had the defense mastered and, and uh, like fit a little bit better into what they were trying to do. But I don't think that him sitting is, is costing them anything. Um, stabman I don't think will play much. Um, Like I said, just in like the blowouts and uh, Braxton, I think will be your guy off the bench that can kind of have a Deandre Hunter like role this year. Um, You know, he, he started off the season as a starter and I don't think that him coming off the bench is necessarily a bad thing. I think that he can play a number of different positions and, depending on matchups, play a lot of minutes. And I think, you know, he'll be kind of like a six starter throughout the year. Um, maybe not as worried as Dave, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see a little bit more from those guys. But I, I think that they're a bench, and, and in college basketball, um, you know, it's good to have those guys. Uh, but really, I mean, come crunch time, you're going to be playing seven guys anyway. So I think that they'll be fine.
1: Yeah, when when I said I'm worried, a lot of the reason I'm worried is because we're eight games into the (laughs) out of conference and we know Tony's not experimenting when conference play starts. So so their games available to show progress and earn that earn those minutes are dwindling.
0: That's fair. I think for me, I, I almost wonder if now if if Kihei Clark has not become Jack Salt. And let me explain that. So for a long time, Jack would start, and then, but you knew there would be some other crunch time lineup. That's not to say that Tony won't play Kihei in crunch time, but really, it's going to come down to um, he's he's a starter, and and having those other, you know, Tony made this point the other night. You know, when he has those four ball handlers, uh, Kihei, Kyle, Ty, and DeAndre, guys who he trusts with the ball, things work a lot better. But when one or two of those guys are not on the floor, you know, then they look a little bit less, uh, less tight. I think that ultimately their best lineup is going to be either Braxton and/or on the floor, in terms of what their versatility means. But right now, their versatility is not really doing Virginia any favors, right? I I, I think Statman is going to be a guy who plays in specific spots right so in a game where you need three-point shooting guy you know you need you know somebody to come off screens you know some uh, Kyle is is in foul trouble or hurt or what have you um if uh if if I had to guess I would think Marco is going to be a lot of what like that that Maryland game was kind of a perfect uh, situation for him Huff is hard because I understand why people want him to play what I don't understand is like this idea that like uh, the team is suffering because because here's the thing when if you want to be a stretch five that's fine but you can't you're not going to be able to one you're not going to be able to do much that far away from the basket if you don't also have another big and can you play jack and jay together probably not right and if you can't do that um, what does that mean for you on the other end i think to me Huff is better huff his skill set is great, but he can't put the ball on the floor. And if you can't put the ball on the floor and you're not going to trust him to come off screens, then he, the fact that he can shoot threes doesn't really help you. Because as a as a blocker, when is he going to be out there to shoot them? Now, you might say, oh, well, Brad, you should change your offense some to, to meet your, your parts. And I appreciate that. I think what's bigger for Jay is what Tony said the other night. He's like, look, he had a couple good days of practice. He's coming on. It's clear that when he plays well in practice, Tony's going to reward him with PT. Um, there will be matchups in the ACC where an, some extra length is not going to be a bad thing. It's going to also depend on other guys. You know how well they're playing, how well Jay plays. You know he's he's got to not just give great effort, but he's got to be. He's got to play well. I mean, it's nice to play hard. I I, pre- I appreciate that. And he really did the other night. He showed that. Um, but he's also got to play well. And you look at the stat sheet, and yeah, maybe some of the stuff didn't come through. Um, but in order for him to really earn time on this team to move up that packing order, he's got to be better than he's been. And that's, that's the dilemma that faces a lot of guys on a lot of teams um, who just don't have the sort of rabid fans – you know the message boards are uh, in the crowd. I mean, like whenever the kid does anything, the place just erupts. I mean, if it wasn't for Grant Cursey, he'd get the loudest pop in the in the building. Um, and so I think as you look at this team, the the depth is is serviceable, but is it something you can count on? I think he is clearly the one that you can look to and say, well, a month from now, what's he going to look like compared to where he is today? You know, when they when they get ready to make that trip down to Clemson, you know, a week and a month away um what what's what's Braxton Key going to look like then will Keyhe Clark still be a starter i'm not sure all i know is that little dude man that little dude came to ball like he has he has all the confidence he executes at a high level he take he's physical um he, what did, what did tony say on his coach's show tonight called him a, a one man press i mean the kid is going to be, is going to make dividends i mean i i'm already way more impressed with K Clark than I expected to be at this point in the season. Um, and he's going to be a, a huge piece for them going forward. There's no doubt. It doesn't matter how tall he is a kicking ball. Um, and he's got, he's got great heart in it and obviously fits in a lot too. Um, where are we getting ready to say Dave?
1: I was, I'd be absolutely shocked if Kihei doesn't, you know, other than injury related, if Kihei doesn't start every game the rest of the year. Um, I mean, so far his, his stats are even, if not a little better than London Bronte's as a, as a freshman. Um,
0: Hey, now don't you know, go spoiling shoot- my content for later in the week.
1: No, I mean, but he, you know, he's shooting 32% from three. Like, you know, Cody's shooting 15% from three. Um, but so, I mean, Kihei, I think Kihei's locked that spot down. And and I think eventually, you know, I think you'll see him on the court in, in crunch time just because, you know, being on the court doesn't mean he has to run the offense. I still think the offense will go through tie in those right. situations. But if Kihei can, hit, you know, continue to hit 30% plus you know he won't be your first option on the on offense but if the ball ends up with him with the shot clock at at the end there are
2: a lot worse options than a guy shooting 30% from 3 right yeah um, and and i mean we've seen it even the 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 lesser competition that uva's played they don't really like they're kind of daring him to shoot a lot you know based on who else is on the court I yeah. mean, they're kind of like you can have it if you want it because we're not going to give it to Tyre, or Kyle, or Dre. So
0: yeah, and the more he knocks it down, the harder that's going to be, they're right? Or make- or
2: they'll just keep giving him open looks and he'll just keep making them. Yeah, right, they're
0: just going to pick their poison. Um, Furbright, you're going to write a uh, the preview later this week on VCU. I, I have not watched the Rams at all this season, so I don't want to really want to comment uh, until I do some research. But um, what do we think of this matchup Sunday afternoon? Snow uh, storm pending.
2: Man, I, I've seen about as much about VCU as you have. So, <laughs> well, um, how about
0: this, Dave? You're the you're, you're the resident uh, uh, dude who watches stuff that I, I mean, Dave yeah, will sometimes have say not like Yeah, seen VCU. Gosh, nobody's watched <laughs> VCU. Well, we are well, a all quick, over that. A
2: quick look at their uh, a quick look at their season. Uh, they have a bunch of wins and they lost a close. <laughs> he said they one have a good.
0: bunch of wins.
2: <laughs> they lost a they lost an overtime game to St. John's. Uh, they They're lost down to, like three to Texas in Texas right now. They lost so. to ODU. They are currently losing to Texas as we, as you, I mean, as you've heard this, it's already happened. So sorry.
0: As you are listening, uh, that's right.
2: This is this is a Texas team that did just lose to the Radford Highlanders though. So I mean, let's not get carried away. We uh, lost two.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. Brighten the lights. All right. Well, do we think? All right. Well, let me
2: let me. But back I mean, UVA will be a big favorite in yeah. that game. Let me back yeah. it out here.
0: What do we think of the as 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 the non-conference schedule really draws to a close? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think any of us had any delusions of grandeur here about what the schedule was going to be. Maryland ended up being a little bit better than I expected them to be. Um do we think that Virginia's prepared sufficiently to go into ACC play? Well, let's let's finish let's finish the show on that note, Dave. We'll start with you. Do you feel uh, coming out of the, this out of conference schedule are you nervous about ACC play or do you feel like they've been adequately prepared. What do you, what are, what are your, what's your gut tell you?
1: I'm not nervous about ACC play because I, I'm willing to accept some losses this year because <laughs> I'm focused on the big picture. Um, I, I do think, in a weird way, probably the way the auto conference fell because I think we expected to get a little more competition in the tournament. Uh, battle for Atlantis. Um, Maryland's a little bit better than we thought. South Carolina is going to be a little bit worse than we thought. It looks like VCU probably you know, gears towards being a little bit worse than we thought. So there's not going to be any super strong out-of-conference teams. Um, but for me, like, the point of this out-of-conference, if we know what Ty is, we know what Kyle is, we know what Dre is, we know what Jack is. So the upside to the way this out-of-conference is played is we've gotten to see a lot more bench guys, and Tony's gotten to see it a little more. So I think long-term, going into the ACC season, it'll probably help versus what a tough schedule was because – Tony's competitive, man. He's not, he's not going to play Cody Statman in a two point game and you know, in the, in the, in the, uh, out of conference schedule. Cause he wants to win it. Um, so I, I do think it's going to help us from that way. And I, and I don't think, you know, Kai and if I call him Kai one more time than I, um, there's your, there's your lead for the story. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Kyle, Kyle and Ty, um. And Dre, like, they're tested, man. They they know what to expect. So, you know, from – I think it's fine. Yeah. The ACC, ACC will test you, with playing Duke twice and Carolina twice, they're going to get plenty of testing coming up.
0: Yeah, I think I look at it in in a similar way, which is I, I might be more nervous if I hadn't watched Virginia come out in College Park. And, look, I'm going to be honest. Like, I've been in a lot of buildings. That place was nuts. Like it was as loud as any building I've been in. It was as the energy in that place was just charged. That place was just waiting for Virginia to make a mistake, and the Cavaliers they, they just never did. And if I had I not watched them in person do that and be able to to, to sort of flex that, I mean, I, look, I'm not saying Maryland's top fifteen, top twenty, right? I'm not trying to, you know, they're not that good, but they're talented, and they actually they're a bad matchup for UVA because they have two bigs who are active, two active long. um Bigs who have you know multiple skill sets. You know, I I th- I was a little bit worried about that game that night um, going in, but like man, that thing like they just never really opened the door. It got a little close, but they were you just never got the sense that Virginia was in, a, in any sort of trouble. And I think had I not seen that, I, maybe I'd be concerned, but I'm I'm really not. Um, going I will say it.
1: I think Maryland's top
2: fifteen or twenty from what I've seen this year. They're very talented. I mean, it's really rare. I mean, you said it's good to kind of see them go against a team with two bigs like that. I think a team like that is rare. I mean, it's hard to find two guys that can score like that. Um, And I think that they did a good job with that. I mean, you're going to give up some but because you can't double the post in the same way and all that stuff. But I think that they did a pretty good job considering, you know, the circumstances and the road environment and all that. No doubt. But, yeah, I mean, to answer your question that you asked, Dave, I mean, I think that the schedule this year is pretty similar to last year's in terms of strength, unless I'm missing something. I mean, they did have the WVU game that they lost, um, but, you know, they played Davidson. Davidson didn't end up being that great. Wisconsin, they didn't make the tournament. Um, You know, Rhode Island, decent team, you know. So, I mean, other than that, You know they kind of, and then UNC Greensboro is a good team, but they're you know not on the same level. Um, But I mean, I think as much as you want to be ready for ACC play, I think that the guys have you know the experience they can draw on. But that first game, I mean, that that's going to tell you a lot because then it kind of becomes real. And I think that happened last year, right? I mean they. They, they seemed like they were doing pretty well they had one loss coming in they'd blown out a bunch of also ran teams and they came into that BC game and obviously BC wasn't you know projected to be an elite team last year but they had talent and BC pushed them right to the limit and they won by one um ty I think had to go off for like 30 in that game to get them the win but you know they were able to kind of sweep that out and I think that was kind of an eye opener you know like all right we're here we're in ACC play um and and they obviously went right. on a big winning streak there.
0: Um, the other thing too, you know, we 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 might talk about the what the strength schedule is now, but like I would not be surprised to see Middle Tennessee State and Dayton be pretty good. Like, I there was just something about both of those teams I thought, oh okay, like you got a little something. Maybe maybe not like top, you know, fifteen twenty good, but man, not bad. And so don't be surprised if come March, um, both of those teams make a little noise. Um, if you are someone who found the uh, the website and has checked out the podcast, feel free to. Um, give us a review iTunes Stitcher Spotify Wherever it is That you like to get Your programs Downloaded to your phone Or what have you uh, Give us a review Always helps us to, uh, to find new Potential listeners And subscribers If you're somebody Who has found the podcast Hasn't checked out the website Give us a look At catscorner.com Plenty to read Plenty to, uh, to digest Plenty of crazy people To, to talk UVA sports with um, Want to thank everybody Out there for continuing To support the show Want to thank Dave and Ferber For giving graciously Of their time as always And we will be back with you next week for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of cashcorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.